what's up, guys, and welcome to the Movie Newbie Podcast. I'm your host, Jabril Sahami, the newbie, and I'm joined by... Rafael Luca, actor, clown, thespian, and a pure cinephile. Oliver Mangum, writer, producer, and fellow film lover. So yeah, enjoy the show. Yo, what's up, and welcome back to another episode of The Movie Newbie. I'm your host, Jabril Al-Suhaimi, and I am joined by the two other hosts, Ollie and Raf. What you guys say hello? Hello. People would imagine what I've seen. (laughs) What a line. What a line. So yeah, we're on episode 43, and we watched Blade Runner. So Ollie, this is your theme. How about you take it away? Yeah, I, I will do so gladly. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think this film needs a, a great in, amount of introduction because, I mean, it's a classic. I think even if you somehow have avoided seeing this film in your lifetime, you will have heard of it. It's a touchstone. It's a reference point. And um, I, oh, I'm i going to make the argument here. I think it is a great noir film, but we can get more into that later. So, yeah, this is Blade Runner as directed by the one and only Ridley Scott. And it was released in 1982. And stars some of your favorite guys, Harrison Ford, Sean Young, um, uh, Edward James Olmos, Rutger Howard, and what was pro- what later came known as his defining performance. And yeah, this film, I mean, where to start, basically? It's, it is one of the most, from a purely cinematic or a visual level, this is one of the most important films to have been released in the past, I don't know, 50 years. I mean, it's, it's influenced not just on... Uh, films that came after it, but on, 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 on video games, on mm-hmm. comic books, on anime, on television series is just immeasurable. I mean, this was truly a world never before seen depicted on screen. And I should add, though, that this is not an, a, a totally original vision. This was adapted from the Philip K. Dirk book, uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? And for those of you who have also been living under a rock. Philip K. Dick is considered to be one of the most formative sci-fi writers of all time, the thinking man sci-fi writer. And yeah, this is a, a brilliant film, a wonderful film. I first saw it when I was in high school, actually. It was um, shown to us in philosophy class. You know, those um, those classes, those days where the teachers were like, I'm not actually going to teach today. I'm just going <laughs> to put a movie on and I don't know, do some online shopping in the background or answer some emails or grade some papers or I don't know, contemplate yeah. my decisions in life that led me to be a teacher. Nursing um, a hangover. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no disrespect to teacher. But yeah, I we, we watched the philosophy class and there's a reason for that because this is a film that in addition to entertaining and like wowing you with various technical cinematic duas, which is not a word, uh, it contemplates, it asks a lot of interesting questions about humanity, about identity, Another topic I'd like to get into later, but I'm going to stop talking for a moment. I want to ask you two guys uh, what you thought of the movie and what was your previous relationship? Uh, Raf, let's start with you. My previous relationship to this film uh, was very recent. I, I remember watching this film in when I was 25, I believe. So I was very late in the game um, and I was presented this film by my father who tell, told me that... You made this sound like a ceremonial rite. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, my father, and then I will present it to to to, to my son uh, once I, you know, maybe have one. But um, it, <laughs> it, it is very a lineage. It's a pass on. It it is. It is. It sounds it like should... something from Dune, like you're from the House of Atreides. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Uh, Paul Atreides. Uh, but I, and it should be because it's a sci-fi masterpiece. So it should be. It should be passed along. It should be paid forward. Um, it's a cinematic treasure 
that has, like you said, influenced all media uh, across the boards, all platforms across the boards. Um, and I think for me, it was my first immersion into the cyberpunk world, um, into the neo-noir, tech-noir cyberpunk world that is Blade Runner, which opened my eyes and eyes is going to be a big thing we're going to talk about here. I mm. feel like I'm going to bring that up because eyes is a big theme in this film. Um, but it's it opened my eyes to to that to that world building and to and, and to that specific genre which I love consuming. I love I love I love eating cyberpunk whether it's video games, whether it's comic books, whether it's graphic novel, whether it's you know anything to do with cyberpunk. I just love because it's so prescient. It's so. Um, it's so incredibly relevant to to today's world. It, it flips today's worlds and put it puts it in this heightened, exaggerated context that is so close and human to us. Um, and this film is what this is. It's it, it's achingly human. It's it, it deepens with each new watch. And I watched it when I was twenty five, and I think I've watched every I've watched it every year since. Um, and with every rewatch, there's always something I either misunderstood or or understood further. Um, and it's, it, that's, that's what makes a masterpiece is, is, is the, it's rewatchability, I think for me, Jabriel, Jabriel, tell us, reveal to us with your eyes, what this film gave to you. <laughs> yeah, no, this, this movie is really good. I really enjoyed it. Um, I remember the first time I tried to watch this movie, it was like, I think also I was in high school, like I was 15 maybe. And it was around the time where, like, I, I was, like, trying to watch a lot of movies. Like, I remember just moving to Singapore and, like, people were talking about movies and stuff. And I was like, whoa, I have no what idea are those? what people are talking about. Yeah, so I remember watching, like, this was around the same time I watched Warrior, I watched Godfather. And I remember downloading Blade because this was a time when I was in high school and we tore into shit. So uh, I'm not proud of that. Yeah, no, no, there's no government around. Um, so I downloaded the movie and I remember putting it on and then falling asleep. Like <laughs> it was, it, well, no, no, no. It was like, I was, I, I put it on and it was like pretty late at night. And then I fell asleep and then next day I was like, okay, because I watched it already, like the first bit, I'm going to like leave it. So I forget the plot and then I'll watch it again. And then I never did until a couple days ago. So it was, it was a great experience. I really loved it. The music was the first thing that, mm. that struck mm. me. Um, the lighting uh, and I guess just the similarities and like the, I don't know, how it's inspired sci-fi. It like with the movies and shows that came afterwards, you know, like it really set the scene for like a, like a what's the word for it? like a post-apocalyptic kind of like, um, like you said, Raph, cyberpunk kind of world. And it's, and it's also like, I really like the way they thought future was going to go, you know, like it's 2019. Yeah. So it's interesting to see like how um, someone from the eighties would like, well, actually, yeah, I guess someone from the eighties would like picture something like that. It was it was really cool. Really like Yeah, it's 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 it is really interesting yeah. to um to look at uh to look at this as an insight into specifically what were the feelings and anxieties of the time in nineteen eighty two or yeah. in the early, late seventies, early eighties, because yeah. I think so like we might as well just start with like the the depiction of LA because that's kind of I think that's one of the first things you really 
see when the movie starts is that you, you've got that sequence when Deckard is flying over um, L.A. And yeah, like what you notice for one of the first things you notice is that um, there's a lot of like Japanese cult, uh, culture present, mm-hmm. a lot of like Japanese advertising, a lot of like Japanese corporations. Yeah. And I think that was because back in the 1970s and 80s, Japan was um, uh, evolving or um, rapidly accelerating in terms of its yeah. economy. And there was, was like a common fear. Exactly. And there was a common fear. Um, and it slowed since. But there was a common fear at the time uh, in places like America and the West that Japan was going to take over everybody. And that Japan was going to sort of be running the world, as it were, in mm-hmm. years to come. And now I think now that fear has been replaced by China. But um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Mm. yeah yeah it's got a multicultural um kind of world to it and i think we'll probably talk about the social hierarchy that blade runner presents where you get um since we're talking about the world i mean we might as well just talk about world building and and the world it presents right because that's the for me though those were the best scenes for me those were the best moments i loved and i watched the director's cut so you're seeing longer takes you're seeing time given to those to those moments where suddenly uh, the characters go away and it's about l- looking at the world and seeing the world being lived in. And that was my favorite part. It's, it's the part that immersed me and it's seeing, yeah, LA in 2019 and seeing the, the social hierarchy. So when Deckard is, you know, um, when he's interrogating, uh, the, the replicants themselves, or when he's going to, um, I forget the corporation now it's blanking. Oh, Wayland, you, Wayland, Way- Yutan. The- Utano, Wayland Utano. Yes, um, I may, I may have got that wrong. Did I get? That? No, there's uh, Tyrell Corporation is the name of the um, uh, Wayland Utano. Sorry, that's from Alien. My, my mistake. Yeah. Sorry, we did we did Alien. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, um, it's it's, Ty, it's yeah, it's Tyrell Tyrell Corporation. Yeah, yeah. Yep, that's absolutely. right. That's right. That's right. Yes. That's One right. Let's go. Uh, let's go. Let's go. Let's <laughs> go. Elden Tyrell. Uh, when he visits Elden Tyrell, you see that there's a social, like the social hierarchy of him entering that place and it looking symmetrical, clean, um, really well lit. Whereas when he goes to the, you know, the lower ground, you know, the street levels, it's all foggy, it's all dirty, it's all neon lights, and it's multicultural. It's it's not white, you know. When he goes mm-hmm. up there, it's white, and I think that pre- presents the fears of of the the white aspirations of the '80s as well, um, compared to <clears throat> the lower tier. And yeah, there's that the whole idea of race and 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 social disparity and mm-hmm. economic disparity. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really cool to see that in a world because suddenly, yes, you are following this one specific story, but the specific story lives in a world that's so alive and rich. And I love that. I love that so much. And cyberpunk gives you that as much mm. as Ridley gave us that in the set design and everything else. But a cyberpunk a cyberpunk world needs that. I think that that's mm-hmm. vital for cyberpunk too. Can, can I ask you, Raph, since yeah. you seem to know a little bit more on the subject than me, when did cyberpunk as an aesthetic... Um, where was it? where where who where where how far how far back does it go like when did that one well, you start you first start seeing movie that <laughs> cowboy movie <laughs> what the uh what i robot no oh shit no you're thinking of steampunk uh, you're thinking of um <laughs> of wild wild west wild wild west yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, fuck around. Sorry, uh, yeah. no 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 that's great i mean 
for and 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 God, that's kind of the film. world of <laughs> yeah, I, not, I, not Blade Runner. Wild Wild West is Wild Wild awful. West classic <laughs> classic nineties classic nineties. Yeah. Um, so cyberpunk is the focus on a combination of low life and high tech, and I believe it was coined by the writer Bruce uh, Bethke, if I'm pronouncing it right, who wrote a story um, uh, with that title in in 1980. Um, and he created the term combining cyber, what was it cyber cybernetics, uh, the uh. science of replacing human functions with computerized ones as punk. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. So that that kind of combination, which became kind of youth culture in the seventies and the eighties, um, right. and it's like that place in Camden. What's it called? Cyberdunk. Uh, cy- no. cy- Cyberdunk. <laughs> Cyberdunk. Um, is that like a basket is that like a basketball court or something in in camden that place where they have like all the rave lights and the techno stuff and mm. um it's in the camden stables you guys don't know what this is i know mm, no, no it's not have... it's not coming to mind right now oh wow what's it called? sorry i'm not hip i don't know about yeah. this shortage <laughs> this... of which you speak or it's camden. camden man oh it's camden oh yeah God, no. then i definitely do i haven't stepped foot into Cyber... camden for a while for a reason camden. to anyone out there anyone listening you know fact check us see what's up in camden cyber dunk. Yeah, it's called cyber dog Cyberdome. Okay, but it's for, yeah. from what I'm seeing, from what I'm gathering here, Raf, in terms of like representation on in cinema, yes. Blade Runner is one of the early like forebears of the early... cyberpunk. It, like helped to build the the the, the visual, you know, yes. set the visual bricks for that. Right. I think I think cinematically, cyberpunk it could be the first uh, rendition or iteration of the cyberpunk world. Uh, later came, um, I mean. It, there were comics beforehand. I think Judge Dredd is a big comic that came beforehand. I think it came in uh, nineteen like late nineteen seventies, and that was um, a big in the a big in the comic world uh, presenting cyberpunk. But I think mm-hmm. um, Blade Runner was the first um, live action cinematic reveal of cyberpunk uh, culture, and that kind of paid the way that that paid the way of new wave science fiction that developed mm-hmm. in the sixties and the seventies. With you know Philip K. Dick um, and his novels, and uh, who else? Uh, Harlan Ellison, I think, was another one. Um, and it always references you know drug culture, technology, and the sexual revolution. Um, and another big one um, that like pulverized and shaped you know cyberpunk till this day as well as Blade Runner was um, the famous. Got it. Got it. But but yeah, I know that the that the world building in this is just. Oh ingenious i can't imagine what it must have felt like to be in the cinema when this first aired having never seen anything like that you know Um, again poorly received i know it was yeah it didn't it didn't make a lot of money at the time right and it didn't uh do super well critically no it was really it was uh it it, it probably almost stunned people to to a malaise or to to a a a place of like confusion because it was probably just so it was the first thing that you know anyone no one had seen anything like that so obviously yeah as a human conception or like you know human consciousness didn't comprehend yet what the fuck they were seeing which is so it's like kind of like star wars when star wars came out that must have just been like what the fuck is this i know but like this is not star wars because that was like an instant smash hit because that had the blockbuster pacing and if i'm not mistaken one of the criticisms that was levied against this film when it first came out was that it was just kind of it was a bit slow. slow. So like they felt yeah. it was a bit inert. 
And that's, you know, it's interesting because it is a slow burn in a way. But I think it's like a lot happens in it. It's a pretty thrilling I story. Like, see, I didn't feel like it was slow at all. Oh, yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah. Like it felt like it was an hour and 20 minutes. Right, oh, right. But it, it kind of moves. Yeah, but I mean, it kind of like has this, it's it's this atmosphere, right? It has this own, maybe not slow, but its own like, it's like sort it's of... Like, it's like poetic it's, inertia. It's got almost. its, it's yeah, yeah, it's got its own like vibe. Like I don't know how else to describe it. It's like Ridley it's Scott like that has been bag scene in, <laughs> in American American Beauty. Beauty. Yeah, oh yeah. god. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, it's like Ridley Scott, wind, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like, but really, really Scott often gets. Um, I think he's been criticized in the past for being a direct for a director for whom style is like style over substance. And I think he came and he had he came from the world of adverts and commercials before he uh, he was working in that industry for like a I think like two decades before he he directed his first film, which is in late late seventies. And I felt like this film, what I thought when I was watching this time was that this film feels like one extra long perfume commercial, which sounds like I'm insulting it, I, but I, I'm not. I just think <laughs> it looks like it's like a perfume commercial that has ideas in it, like it's just. Everything moves at a slower pace, but it's really beautiful and sensuous, and I believe his and I be- thoughtful. Hmm, I believe his his uh, prolific commercial that kind of got him the gig for this was a nineteen eighty four um, interpretation of the novel, and I think. But I think was... that ca- didn't that come out after this film? Oh, did it come that out came, after? That oh, came okay. out. That was when he was already established as a film director. I know the commercial, the Apple computers. Com- yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But, but um, I think, but I think he was messing around, or not messing around, but I think he was developing commercials to that, to that vein of like that kind of futuristic um, style or manner, um, which yeah. is probably what propelled him to. To I, I don't think there was anyone else but Ridley that really could have tackled this this movie because what a behemoth of a movie! I mean, it the avalanche of of big ideas that are presented in this film. The complexities, you know, we're talking about, you know, we're talking about memories, we're talking about who we are, you know, post-colonialism, consciousness, like big, big, like heavy, almost existential themes um, in already a world that's pulled away from us. And that's, you know, estranged. And that's like cyberpunk. So, yeah. Well, why don't we get into it? You, you, we've, 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 yeah, we, we've, we've alluded to it. So like the big thematic philosophical questions that this film's asking i mean raf do you want to like sort of give us all an intro like what are, what is the what are the questions at the center of this film in your mind i i think for me the, the the questions of this film is 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 humanity is 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 uh what it is to be human what it is to what it is to live what it is to be alive what it is to be free um you know human consciousness um uh, which also ha which ripples into you know memories uh uh breathing um the the fact that like the um, the these androids are slaves and want to be free um they're given only and the ones that um the the recreated ones only get what four years uh lifespan um and and the whole idea behind whether or not deckard is indeed human or he's an android which i'm sure we'll dive into um, and the, and the idea of of questioning um, of 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 trying to empathize with both sides, um, which is why I think uh, and I, I said this before, but eyes eyes reveal because you eyes reveal so much, and in this film they both see and they reflect. 
Um, and you can see so much um, just from the eyes. I think the first shot you see in Blade Runner are eyes of, of, of the city of Los Angeles. It's, it's eyes reflecting the city. Um, and for me, that, that's, that's what the whole film's about, is, is about revealing who you are. Um, and the next thing that they do to interrogate is, is they interrogate the eyes. The, the, the thing is, they, they, they look at the eyes to see the truth behind someone's soul or behind someone's um, consciousness or humanity. Um, so that big theme of like, yeah, who we are or who we're trying to be. And I think in all cases for the androids, they're trying to be free. They're trying to live. Mm. I don't know if it was in the, like the beginning of the movie, but I, at least I started like noticing it toward the end. But the androids, they started having like red eyes, like at certain angles. I don't know if it like gradually became more obvious, like as the movie went on, or if we just, I don't know about you guys. Did you notice it straight away from the beginning? They always have like a reflective um, like surface, red, right? Like, Red, even the orange, the yeah. Owl had it too. Even the yeah. owl had it. So the owl yeah. is essentially an android, and yeah. that's pretty much how I think is a clue on distinguishing whether or not. But then again, Decker doesn't really have that, right? Yeah. So well, no, he he does in one shot, and I, I was reading oh. about the uh, discussion surrounding like so, you know, various people associate who worked on the film have come out and spoken differently about whether or not they think Deckard Harrison's Ford character is a replicant or not. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of those people was the cinematographer. And he said they built a certain kind of lighting rig to get the uh, replicants to reflect, have a red light on their eyes. Mm -hmm. And in the scene where you see a little bit of it in Harrison Ford's eyes when he's with um, Rachel's character, um, he said that was an accident. That was not intentional. At no point did Ridley say, I want to get some red in Harrison Ford's eyes. He was just using it to reflect in um, Rachel's eyes, and some of it yeah. caught on Harrison Ford's yeah, own that's eyes. What I and Harrison Ford like made this film thinking that his character was human. He said that mm -hmm. he and Ridley always disagreed on that, and he played it as if he was human. And how interesting. Um, same I... goes for the scriptwriter. You know, mm. uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's it's, yeah. it's fair. and whereas Ridley himself said it was always his intention to make a film about Deckard being a replicant. Yeah. Mm. But how interesting that, let's say, Ridley has his own thoughts on um, whether or not uh, Harrison Ford is playing indeed a an android or a human, and Harrison Ford has his own notions. So it's like they're essentially almost methoding for for the role itself because he's going, "Well, I am human," and then let's say Ridley's going, "But you're an android." So there's already that conflict, that inner conflict presented in mm -hmm. the character as he steps into those shoes. Uh, yeah. believing that he's human and maybe the audience saying otherwise. So mm -hmm. then yeah. he probably has to, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, I, I think that's a beautiful thing, but yeah. what it is, what it was, what, what was it to you guys? Cause that's, that's how, that's how I felt, right? Eyes, um, human consciousness, empathy, uh, you know, what the whole like moral well, uh, ambiguity I mean, of it all. Yeah, I guess. Okay. So like a parallel, like I've watched this film a bunch of times and I've pondered over these questions before, but one new thing that stuck out on this most recent rewatch was I was left feeling that the the replicants desire to meet their maker. So you hear, um, what's the name of Rutger Hauer's character? Uh, Roy Batty. Yeah. He says, I want to meet my maker. He wants to meet uh, Eldon Tyrell, the, the guy who runs the corporation that mm -hmm. built him. And what stuck out to me is that that's like a very human, even though they're replicants, that's a very humane desire, isn't it? To meet mm -hmm. your maker. I mean, not your to get father. all too wishy-washy, but your father, or you want to meet God, you know, you want to, you want to, you want to come face to face with people of over time have written about wanting to come face to face with God and say like, 
how, why, you know, why did you make us this way? Why, why have you abandoned us? Like, why have you, um, why have you condemned us to this certain path or why have you made it so that we can only know one, we can, we can never really step outside of our own existences. It's, it's just, it's interesting. Yeah. It's very interesting. It, it, like you can also flip that and say that mm. it's, I don't know the ego of man to design something to worship them or to want mm. to feel as if they have to go back to them, you know? So there was, there's that kind of aspect of it. Because what I really enjoyed about this movie and it's what made me really enjoy other movie, which is kind of similar and that's Tron. I think it came out around the same mm. time as well. And it poses a similar question of what are we as human, you know? So, um, yeah, that's that's something that resonated with me. And yeah, it's just those questions, you know, they're quite deep. Yeah, this is a very I, deep movie. There's a quote from Jurassic Park that I'm going to uh, switch and put it in this context. <laughs> but it's Jeff Goldblum going, God creates man, man creates androids, androids kills man, androids become power, and androids become God. Um, <laughs> I wish but people it's... could see that because you also you nailed his mannerisms and his yeah. <laughs> <laughs> his like physical delivery of that line. Um, but um, but uh, to go back to the Roy Batty moment, um, and I'm beautiful points across the board. But to go back to the Roy Batty moment, how does he meet his maker by gouging out his eyes or by like taking out his eyes? Mm. Again, another theme of like the the eyes, but like for me, that's the, the most. A prominent thing I, I witness uh, with this with this rewatch is is yeah the, the attention to the eyes. Well, it goes um, back to it, I mean, sorry, continue. Yeah, no, 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 no. You no, just please, made please, me please. think of something. No, it goes, but because it, it does it, that's a really important moment when he gouges out the eyes of um, Elton Tyrell because mm. it it kind of like makes you think. Uh, it brings it back to sort of like classic Greek, the classic Greek dramatist, right? Like mm -hmm. Oedipus. Yeah. What happened? So one thing I noticed about Roy Batty watching this film was that I felt like there was a lot of guilt in his character. And that was part of his anger and, and um, his anger against Eldon Tyrell is that, you know, when, he's, when he sees Eldon Tyrell, he says, you know, you have no idea what I've done, like what uh, like the things that I've done on my journey. And, and Eldon Tyrell says, don't feel bad. Like you're you're, you're my best creation. You're you're what you've accomplished with what you have is 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 incredible. And but then he gouges out Eldon Tyrell's eyes. And if you think back to Oedipus, like when Oedipus realized what he had done, he had had sex with his mother and, yeah. and had uh, and killed, killed his, his father. father. He stabs his eyes out because he can't live with, that's his way of trying to mm. um, remove any kind of awareness perhaps, or like punish himself for what he's done. And so I wonder if, you know, Roy Batty and gouging out the eyes of Eldon Tyrell is, is communicating in some way or transferring his guilt for the the sins that he's committed, the murders he's had to do, because uh, you know having to try and escape being a slave. Mm. I love how philosophical this is getting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, Blade Runner was gonna like bring us here. You know, like I'm like cross legged, like stroking my beard, I'm, like <laughs> contemplating life as 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 we're going through this. But that that's what this movie does as well. It's it's got this poetic charm, this this beautiful, deep poetic like. Uh, yeah, it, it is. It's, it's a poem for me. It's a visual poem um, about all that we're speaking about. You know, it's it with but with the the cloak, uh, let's say, of 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 your theme of of a noir uh, or mm -hmm. a tech noir, like you said before. Right. 
Um, and what a fucking awesome cloak because you're thinking, okay, behind all the poems, there's still this detective yeah. who's got this ennui, this malaise. He's, 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 you know, he, 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 he loves to consume alcohol. He, mm. he goes, he goes through interrogating each replicant. There's, there's action, there's chase sequences. One of my favorite well, being, yeah, yeah. But no, no, please, no, please go ahead. No, no, no. I was just saying one of my favorites being, um, we're so polite with each other. It's lovely. Um, <laughs> Being uh, the what the first replicant he 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 interviews and then they have this whole chase sequence in the street. Um, the girl, he, yeah. Oh, girl, Zora, 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 exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. gonna say that uh, that one scene when she gets shot and she's yeah. like going through the glass and like it's super slow. That perfectly epitomizes the whole like slow, drawn out like beauty of a single shot yeah. that you guys are talking about. And at the same time, it's super noir as well with like. What's his name? Decker in the back in the shadow, just like yeah, seeing everything. That's happen. what I'm saying. Even like, even an action scene. That's what I'm talking about. Like yeah. the um the 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 not the pacing of this film, but the vibe. Yeah. It's like a it's like a dream. That even that that action scene isn't filmed like a you know heart pounding action scene. Yeah. Like you said, most of it happens in this achingly gorgeous but very much stylized slow motion. Yeah, um, like I would I wouldn't call it a a perfume like commercial. I'd call it more like a lincoln park like music video kind of vibe. there you go there you go there you go yeah, yeah. doesn't lincoln yeah, park like, have... like a music video you, you kind of right but i think they have a video that's kind of like it. and 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 don't don't they have uh whether it's an album i don't i don't know or a specific song but aren't they don't they link cyberpunk don't they have a link to like cyberpunk themes that's probably, towards that's probably their why. like yeah, yeah yeah actually that's probably why yeah Linkin Park is quite, yeah, it's quite cyber. I mean, I would say yeah, this Linkin is Park is pretty Linkin cyberpunk. Park, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But I but I wanted to, because Raph, you brought up the, the tech noir stuff. And since we are doing, talking about this film as part of our noir theme, I did want to like, yeah, touch on that a little bit. So here's why I think, you know, here's why people refer to this as a noir film, even though it's set in a completely different universe to say The Third Man or like The Big Sleep or one of the early noirs. So you have like a lot of the standard tropes of the film noir that are being in enforced here while it is still a science fiction film. So you have the Chandler-esque narration from uh, Rick Deckard. So in a lot of the classic noir films and the pulp noir books, you have uh, a, a, an overriding, uh, pretty forceful narration coming from the lead detective, the, the main character, who's, uh, yes, and another another noir trope here that's being used is the, the world-weary detective. A lot of noir films are built around a law enforcement character, a detective who's seen a lot of shit and as a result has a very <laughs> jaded, cynical worldview. I mean, that's Deckard to a T. even has that scene, that classic, you know, scene at the beginning where it's like, you know, I'm retired. I mean, not quite, yeah. but like, yeah. he's like, I'm quit. <laughs> yeah. There's that really good line when he first gets brought into the office of the, um, of the, of, the, of his uh, senior, of the, the, the sheriff or whatever his name is. Where he's like, I was quit when I walked in, and now I'm even more quit. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and then you have the femme fatale, like Rachel. Yeah. Again, yeah. I'd, subverting certain aspects about the femme fatale. I don't think she's actively seducing or pulling in Deckard, but she's a character that represents a shift from the rules that he's been following. Mm -hmm. She she uh, makes him want to change in a way, and that's mm -hmm. that's very emblematic of the femme fatale. And then you have, of course, the look of this film. You have a lot of what they call chiaroscuro lighting which is you have a lot of deep 
shadows that are like very distinctly contrasted against the light. You have a lot of Venetian blinds that mm -hmm. like light and dark slashing across someone's face to show the duality behind their 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 you know their personalities. So yeah, it's it's all there, but it's just baked into this thinking man cyberpunk sci-fi film, which is mm. I think why it's so great. Totally, totally. Um yeah, I mean and 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 it's for me it was it was again a very easy uh not an easy narrative to follow, but like to follow Harrison Ford on his journey uh, because he does it so fluidly, so flawlessly. Um, you care so much, uh, yet you are so, I was so still worried and still like, hey man, are you okay? Um, I just, yeah, I find his, I found his performance to be so subtle and nuanced. You know, that's the favorite. Yeah, this is not the Harrison Ford from um, Star Wars. This isn't, no. this isn't Han Solo. He's very like subdued, like you said. He's, yeah. he's yeah. it's a very cool performance. Very cool. Um, very he like cool, he like yeah. keeps his cards close to his chest, which I mm. I quite like. But I know I can imagine some people yeah. finding it a bit hard to connect with. I don't mm. know what you guys thought. Yeah, because there's like what Indiana Jones, there's Han Solo, and there's Decker. I think these are his three like mm. main yeah. like this is what yeah. he's known for. Well, he's and... that's what makes him such a great star is that he has not yeah. one, he has three iconic yeah. characters, which is yeah. more than most people can say. Exactly, and I and I really enjoy Decker just because of his like I don't know is it like his subtlety? Mm. I, I don't know. Mm. It's just like smooth yeah like yeah. smooth operator man <laughs> yeah yeah totally and he's got like a cadence to his voice you know it's you know what are we doing here you know he's yeah he's, what's he's going got, on like, here what's going on here and he's got like that like yeah that like very uh that lower register that's like mm -hmm. i'm a detective I've, I've been in the field for about 30 years here uh, anyway it's, it's yeah there's something so cool about it but yet there's also a vulnerable side to him you know there's a there's a scene which is i think played beautifully um where he or he wants to order alcohol he had he's just i think he just he just escaped near death or he had just shot um zora was it when leon was it yes oh, yeah. when, when, when leon, leon like almost shoots him and then rachel saves him yeah yes exactly and then he orders like a bottle and there's just you know again this the really scott and the cinematography and everything behind crafting this film it, it takes time it gives you to, to the, the time to like really look at the characters and and here you see harrison ford like almost having like a panic you know but but so so small and so restrained that you you know careful and you miss it um but that beauty of like, oh, there is there is a human being inside there, whether he's a replicant or not, there is humanity in there um, and there's struggle. There is there is, again, ennui and there is malaise and there is all, all these things that make, you know, this horrible boiled kind of almost depressed, depressive detective mm. because maybe he doesn't he's rejecting the life that he's leading, which is why he wants to retire. But they bring him back in. Mm -hmm. One last job. One yeah, last job. <laughs> but uh, uh, but uh, Jabril, you mentioned the the score, and I think we got to oh, like spend yes. at least. Oh a, yeah. Extra, yeah, we Three should. Um, yeah, we should expend oh, a few words on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, like the fuck. Yeah, it's just so like I can't even uh, <laughs> describe it because it's so good. Like yeah. straight up the synths that come in, like straight in, in the beginning of the movie, um, that. Arabic like song they kept using as well 
I can't remember what the song, like what she was saying in the song, mm. but um, yeah, it's just the, it carries the entire movie. And without the mu- the music, I don't think um, it would be as poetic as you guys say, you know? Mm. It, it it definitely set the tone is and not just the, the score like just the the sound design as well like uh what really struck out to me would uh was uh he was looking at the the snake skin and he was mm-hmm. like doing this computer thing where it's like one seven four five and that scene is pretty freaking awesome like that technology mm-hmm. that they were using yeah. i thought that was a very weird and interesting take on like something like that but the sound design of like just yeah. the movements and the um just the way everything was going and thing it was just awesome it was so cool i, <laughs> I loved it everything yeah. about it was so cool this what's this guy's name vangelis vangelis yeah he did the um yeah he did the uh he's a greek guy and he um he also uh composed the score to chariots of fire which yes. is probably dun, has dun, maybe dun. yeah probably the most well known film score mm. of all time and also yeah. synth so yeah yeah no yeah i mean if for me it creates the movie's soul you know with the score it is the movie's soul like that uh, you can't just you can't yeah you can't take it apart it is it is the soul the skin uh that this movie is wrapped under uh and is infused by um I, I mean, I, I, I listen to this as a sort of meditation, the score, you know, for me, it's, you know, outside the movie, I still listen to it as a sort of meditation. Um, it's just sh- shriekingly, utterly beautiful. And it captures perfectly the cyberpunk world that is Blade Runner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, is there anything else we want to discuss before we uh, go into questions or to our categories? Oh, yeah. um... I have a little bit of a fun fact for you guys. Hey, sure. go on. Um, so apparently, uh, because go on okay, then. So, yeah, yeah. All right. Go um, on. Yeah, all right. Go on. <laughs> go on, Galak. So um, Harrison Ford isn't the only uh, Star Wars like connection in this movie. Apparently, there's a hidden like Millennium Falcon somewhere in the movie. <laughs> really? Yeah. And uh, wow. Um, yeah. And. George Lucas apparently found out about that, and for the next three movies that he did, so the the episode one, two, and three, he designed um, the the main temple in the movie look exactly like the main building in Blade Runner, and oh, I think wow. it was an ode to oh. Blade Runner being such um, like such a huge influence on the design of the episode one, two, three. And there's also, I think... But episode like, one would have come out before this film, right? No, no, no. I mean, that's would... episode four, five, six. Oh, like, sorry, after. sorry. Oh, wow. Okay, you really showed me up there. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, so you're talking about the prequel trilogy. Um, the prequel trilogy, yeah. Got it. Because this movie it. came out right before the th- This would have come out, movie. I guess, after this... Is it after the second... I think this the third film. Like, third star... Sorry, the, the episode... Uh, six of Star Wars. Yeah, episode six was well, like I feel like it's kind of later, like nineteen eighty five or something. Yeah, this it, it came out around the same time. I think this one came out before uh, episode six. Yes, yes, it did. Yeah. It did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, there's like that little play with both directors, kind of like uh, what's the movie that we did? E. T. Also with mm. George Lucas, right? 
No, that was Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg and George and Steven, Lucas. And Spielberg they, and George Lucas were contemporaries. They came yeah, up around yeah. the same time in the 70s. They were part of the New Hollywood movement. Although Ridley Scott was not really... I mean, he might have been considered part of that movement, but he wasn't an L.A. guy. He didn't come... He wasn't a filmmaker. He didn't uh, He didn't grow up, come up in Hollywood. Maybe the tip of the hat, you know? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, that's so cool. But, uh, that's, a, that's a fun fact for you guys. That's a really yeah, fun fact. Yeah, but I... That is a really good fun fact. Although I, I just want to mention also, if anyone listening is actually like really into Ridley Scott or wants to listen to a longer interview with him that I found funny, he did an interview recently for um for Mark Maron's podcast, which is a really popular podcast that oh, I listen to. Yeah. And because uh, he was um promoting, he's got like two films out this year, even though the guy is like 80 something, uh, <laughs> The Last Duel and House of Gucci. And it's just a really funny interview because he sounds like, Probably an asshole, but also a complete badass. Like every, well, like every thing, right? <laughs> yeah, and he's just like every film like Mark Maron brings up, even if it's a film that generally didn't do well or wasn't liked. He's like, people didn't know what the fuck they were talking about. That film was fucking great. <laughs> and every time like Mark Maron disagrees, like fuck off, cinema. I know what the fuck I'm doing. And he's just like this eighty plus year old Hell guy. Yeah. And when they were like, he's like, why did you think the last duel didn't make any money? He's like, because people are fucking morons. They're on their phone. <laughs> it's a fucking great film. I, and, love, yeah. I love how much pride he has in his films. And they are fucking awesome. And I love his <laughs> attitudes toward his work. I even love- like, but even his, yeah, most directors who've made as much film, many films as he has, they'll even admit when a film doesn't do well critically or commercially, like years later, they'll say, yeah, you know what? We didn't get it right that time. Or yeah. like, I made a yeah, mistake, yeah, yeah. but he's like, nah, fuck that. It was fuck awesome. It. <laughs> fuck <laughs> it. We're going live. Yeah. They just didn't know what they were doing. But anyway, uh, shall we get on to uh, the questions then? Let's, Let's do, do it. it. All right, cool. So um, favorite scene. All right. Jabril, the Jabba man. What say you? All right. Well, I mentioned just now, it was the scene where he's like, looking at the photo and he's like moving the photo and the angles and you could see different parts of the it just blew my mind i was like whoa this is cool like yeah. if this actually existed that'd be really cool um yeah so the, i love that scene is just it i think it was the perfect like mix of noir and the cyberpunk as well so that was yeah. really cool it's like the original enhancer scene you know how it yeah every, yeah like, detective of police they're always like they always see a camera and they're like Enhance that. Enhance. Yeah. But it's like not the... like, but it's not like that though. He's, no, yeah, no, was it's he, not, was he yeah. changing? So was he just like changing the angle of the camera? Was it the idea that this yeah. camera catches things in a 360 Pretty much, way? Or yeah. they have, so you like, could just change the angle of it, right? Well, like, I guess the technology is to like move like the position of the, the angle from like the outside. I don't know. It's, it, it's it just so cool, cool as fuck. It's cool. It was just cool as fuck. Yeah, it was really cool. And it's like really co- another example of like really cool. One of many examples, sorry, of pretty cool technology that's in this film. Like I love the yeah. um, the test that they do for the mm-hmm. replicants. There's a name for it. I, I've, I've forgotten the name. I should have written it down. Um, it reminds me of like a Myers Briggs. Yeah, except <laughs> you think when they st- when he starts asking Leon at the beginning, the Blade Runner, the question. You think like his oh. aunts, his answers are going to give away whether he's a replicant or not, but it's right. not. It's his emotional reaction to yeah, the aunt to, question yeah. that gives it uh, away. It's so fascinating. This, this reminds me of this book that I just read uh, called The Righteous Mind. And it's this guy who did a series of experiments from the late 80s to about the mid 2000s. And basically he would 
he got like a set of questions that were very similar and they would deal with morality and they would mm. ask you certain questions and the way you answer would basically show uh, how how much you do with righteousness like what you believe is righteous um it's a really good book if anybody's interested in that sort of thing you should listen to the righteous mind by jonathan Haidt. it's a great nice. book um and yeah and it and it and yeah it's exactly that the interview that they do is exactly that. and i totally forgot about it until this moment thank you Oli. that's a, no that's no a problem plug right there it's a plug that's you're welcome plug. i mean uh, I'll, I'll get to you in a second, Raph, but uh, have any of you guys, just quickly, did any of you guys like see uh, the sequel, Blade Runner 2049? Yes, no, sir. I like, I, I saw that, and I, I love that film. Oh, I love yeah. that film. I saw an IMAX as well, and that was one of the best cinema experiences I ever had. Mm. Um, but they also similarly have a, a twist on the, the test that they do when, I don't know if you remember it, Raph, but mm. the lead yes. character of Ryan Gosling, Ryan Gosling's character, I think, is also a replicant yeah. And that's not like that's not left ambiguous. Like it's it's not a spoiler. But no, every no, time no. he comes back from one of his runs, they like they go through this machine where they shout something. They say like a voice, a computer voice, reads something out to him, and he has to like answer it. And then it has like this thing checking his eye at the same time, mm -hmm. and it's it's right. really interesting. Yeah, it's quite a bit intense experience as well. Like it's yeah. made very intensely. Um, is it my turn? Yes, go ahead, please. Um. Uh, well, apart from like any time you get to see, you are shown the world that um, Decker kind of inhabits. Like those are just my favorite scenes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the one I would have to go for is that chase sequence, that like chase scene between um, Decker and Zora. Um, because I don't know, it just reveals um, the overwhelming public masses of 2019 Los Angeles. Uh, and you know and it goes through the, the 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 smoky neon roads the the busy people and animal filled bazaars uh, or the you know the seedy murky establishments like it reveals so much and even before I, this is in the director's cut um i believe because i remember watching the original and then the director's cut the 2007 director's cut and ridley scott gives you like an extended 30 second look of it's like you get um, Leon and um, Roy Batty walking um, towards their next scene. And Ridley Scott just pans for 30 seconds. And you just get to see, like, scooters coming in, people doing their things. And for 30 seconds, you just see this world being lived in. And mm -hmm. the original version didn't have that. But I just, again, those favorite, my favorite parts are just like, yeah, the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's me. Oh, great, great picks, both of you. I, I was, I was a hundred percent certain that my first choice was going to be taken by the time it got to me. So I'm hey. also, I'm glad that I get to talk about it because I was thinking of backups. But um, yeah, it's going to be the uh, the light tears in the rain ah. monologue on the rooftops. I mean, mm. we we kind of. I actually was hoping Raph could do like a full I, I, reading of that. Do you have the Do you have that monologue I, in front of you? Oh what? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, I actually do. Yeah, I'm like so prepared. I really wanted to do this. Thank you very much for inviting me to this panel. Um, <laughs> I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. Attack ships fire off the shoulder of Orion. I watched sea beams glitter in the dark near the Terzawa Gate. All those moments would be lost in time like tears in rain 
Chills. Actual chills. Thank you. Thank you very Rutger much. Rutger Howard's smiling. That's my friend, from... guys. That's, that's my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have that memorized at all. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, I'm so glad. Well, yeah, I mean, I, there's not really much to add to that. But yeah, that, so just for those of you who don't know what the fuck we're talking about, it's the, the, the climax to um, the movie. It's the climax to Roy Batty's um, arc. It's when he dies on the rooftop after helping Harrison Ford up. And he gives this incredible monologue, which his, as, uh, his, you know, famously... Um, was partly ad-libbed by uh, Rutger Hauer. At least he added that line in about Tears in the Rain and he cut out some other parts. And it's just, it's so beautiful. It's, it's, it always gets me, always makes me cry. Um, and it's just a, a wonderful performance. Yeah, and it doesn't answer questions. If anything, it asks more, which is lovely yeah. to have that at the end of a movie. It doesn't, it's not like here, here's, you know, what Blade Runners is about. Boom, here you go. It's like, no, here's more questions for you to ponder mm. on right and, after. And I mean, we should be so lucky that in our final moments of life, we get to sort of speak with such clarity and poeticism about everything. Like he says all of yeah. that. And then he just says, time to die. Yeah. And then he just fades away. I mean, I mean, if I, if I, if I, my last lines will probably be like, I need to use the bathroom. <laughs> <I'm> like, <"Hey." laughs> I gotta take a shit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh. It smells like shit in here. The next time. Um, uh. But uh, yeah. All right, cool. Well, um, so favorite performance then, Jabril. Um, okay. Mine's a little bit of an outside one, just because I want it to be like, you know, hipster about it. But uh, just the sheer impressive number that, of movies and TV shows that this guy's acted. Um, the guy who was the eye specialist, Mr. James Hong. Oh, um, good shout. Nice. One yes. of the coolest, like, characters, I think, in the the whole movie. I was kind of hoping that you'd see more of the Egyptian guy because I was going, oh, yeah, Arab dude, but nah. Um, so, I'm, yeah, I'm going to go with James Hong. I think he's sick, and I love that character, yeah. the way he, like, projected the eye selling. Yeah, yeah. I think he got. He recently got his uh, Hollywood star, didn't he? As well. Oh, did he he actually? Um, I might. Yeah, we might have to fact check that Mm -hmm. one. Um, but yeah, great, great pick, great pick. He's still Uh, going as well, James Hong. Like I think he's in his. He's in his nineties. He's gonna get it. He's gonna get it in twenty twenty two. Oh, wonderful! He's set to get one. Nice. Good. 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 He. uh, Yeah, he's had over six hundred film and television credits as Mm -hmm. of. 2021 and he's going to be in um this film that looks insane based on its trailer with uh the one i was talking to you guys about off cam off uh off microphone yeah um the uh uh the one with michelle yo like everything everywhere all the time i think he's oh, one of the lead characters right, in that. right right but i'm, I'm embarrassed cool. to say that, i'm embarrassed to say the first place i remember seeing him in was um Raph, you might remember this. Do you remember balls of fury yes <laughs> i do a really not very good yeah, I oh, saw that in the yeah. cinema in Singapore. I loved that movie when I was a kid. <laughs> Such a stupid movie. <laughs> it's got Christopher Walken. I see the poster now. This has not aged well. Uh, Christopher Walken's yeah. dressed as like a Fu Manchu Chinese man. It's terrible. <laughs> no bueno. No bueno. Yeah, that movie was. Yeah, you can't make that movie now. Can't make no. Sure. No, no, no. But let's revisit it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's do it on the podcast. <laughs> 
what's aged uh, the worst the theme <laughs> yeah <laughs> um okay cool james hong uh raf you're, you're a go uh i feel like maybe i'm stealing yours ollie but i'm gonna have to go with uh rodger hauer as roy batty um he plays the perfect replicant antagonist and the perfect antagonist, perfect foil to to Rick Deckard, to Harrison Ford. Um, he, he, the cultured, poetic, non-human man that he is. Um, he plays it so beautifully. He has this monologue at the end that to me is, you know, all the accolades should be given for that you know moment alone um it's so beautiful it's so peaceful he plays it so elegantly so with such poise um and 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 it's it's such an indelible um yeah he 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 restores he restores such an indelible performance um that is still talked about till this day and even the monologue itself is still very much analyzed to this day a beautiful beautiful performance oh nice uh yeah i couldn't have said it better myself um i mean i, I that would would have been my number one but i'm gonna go with um just to, to add another name to the mix uh william sanderson uh, who plays sebastian. uh jf jf sebastian yes who's mm-hmm. one of the key i suppose i don't know like Jeanette, like sort of like inventors or or like technicians that was that alongside Eldon Tyrell made the, the Nexus the replicants kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Although I loved his performance because there was so much vulnerability and sadness mm. to it because mm. he's also dying himself, which I thought was a really interesting touch. And he's so it sounds like it almost seems like he's really um starved for attention or companionship, so that's why he lets yeah. those replicants into his home. Mm-hmm. Um Although I didn't, I wasn't too a huge fan of the creepy, uh, like Thanks. toys. Yeah, like the yeah. the um, living toys in his like, in his uh, house. When when he when he brings her in, there's this part where I guess they like ran out of lines or something. He's like, "I like to make friends," and then he like walks a little bit more, and he's like, "I make my friends." And then he walks, and he's like, "I make my friends." And it's like, "Okay, I get it. You make your friends. Like, <laughs> say something else." It's creepy, dude. As soon as yeah. we shift into that scene, the atmosphere kind of changes, and I know, yeah, we, like, like the the ending, the ending in that hotel. It's yeah. it's quite harrowing. Mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. I was terrified this 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 watch. Yeah. I was yeah, I was very sad. That the implication is that his character is like killed yeah. off, but um. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Cool. So, what has aged the best? Hmm. This is a tough one. I ca- I can't decide, but I'm gonna say the the setting. Like it's still just so impressive. Like just the way it looks and the 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 grand the grand what grand was is that how you say it? the grandiose grand, the grandiose yeah. grandiosity oh, grandiose grandiose. I thought it was a French word. Um, <laughs> I believe it's so. Yeah, Italian? it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I really like that, and how it's just inspired like a lot of, of like mm. what sci-fi looks like today. At least scenes of like grimy, gross like cities. I think like mm. even Terminator kind of looks like that at certain points of it. Mm. Um, yeah, so I think that's aged the best mm. for sure. To- totally. Yeah, I mean, I I would. I would go for that as well myself, um, but to change it up a little bit, I will say the score. Um, I mm. think the score is um, 
a cinematic masterpiece in its own right. It's a um, music masterpiece. Um, it's something I listen to, to, you know, yeah, like I said, meditate to, to, to calm my senses, but also to enlighten me. Um, it's, it's something that um, is beautifully symbiotic to the film. I'm just trying to imagine meditating to that score. I, I imagine it could be, if you could just stick to like the, uh, the slower, yeah, the, like, yeah, the bits slower, without any beat, yeah. without the, the parts without any drums or anything. Yeah. That could be like quite, I could see that like working quite well. There is, there is on YouTube, um, a, a remix. Blade Runner meditation. Yeah, a Blade, Blade Runner, yeah, meditative mix, which is nice. <laughs> I wonder what else they have meditative mixes of. <laughs> they definitely got to have one for the gladi the gladiator the oh, gladiator, yeah, gladiator theme yeah. there's a there's a techno trance remix of the gladiator <laughs> theme song that i listen to sometimes when i need to get pumped up it's like on my call unleash hell <laughs> so good um, <laughs> um like if they played that in a club one night i would absolutely oh. lose my shit it's there. like it's like when they played the caribbean remake the paris of the caribbean remixes at zerk in zerk yeah <laughs> <laughs> Run for everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll do this um quickly before we get too much further off topic. Uh, I'm going to say the philosophical exploration of uh, yes. like yes. the question, like what defies humanity? Is Deckard a replicant? What does it even mean to be a human? I mean, uh, yeah, there's a reason that we were watching this film in my philo philosophy class 30 years more. Well, I guess it would have been more than 30 years after it come. Oh, maybe like yeah, 30 years after it come out. Um, like the idea of like bringing these ideas into a mainstream film and must, mm. um, like a blockbuster must have been pretty innovative at the time. And yeah, I think still find it endlessly fascinating. Um, so yeah. Um, all right. Age the worst. Uh, Jabril. Um, yeah, that like weird sex scene that they have. Oh, well, yeah, we're all going to say that then. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we're going to say it's that. It's yeah. super weird, right? Yeah, like, it's, I don't know it's very rapey. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's very rapey. I'm so confused. It was very it. rapey. Yeah, I was so confused. I was like, did I miss something? Like, I was wondering I the I, same like, thing. Yeah. That oh, was so strange. Yeah. 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 I think it's, it's unanimous uh, from all of us. I mean, for me, I was trying to maybe find an interpretation where it's like sexual frustration on Deckard's part because he doesn't, he's never been fulfilled like that. He's yeah. never, he's never really had. So this is like his way of like being violent towards it or being aggressive towards it. Um, but then she accepts it and I guess she's a replicant. So like there is a lack of, I don't know. Yeah. There's, yeah. it's, it's it, every time one. I like try to think of like some sort of way to mm, analyze it analyze it it mm. just got worse and i was just like yeah. you know what <laughs> i'm just gonna leave it i know and in my memory it's like i remember thinking oh he does kind of force her but then eventually it's clear that she wants to do it which in and of itself would be questionable but then watching it i was like nope nope still he pretty much right. he literally forces her to tell him i yeah. want to kiss yeah. it's really and like i there must have been a reason ridley scott left it in the the final cut i mm. i mean I don't know. I, I'm I'm like you. I'm wondering what is the purpose behind this, other than to maybe show that Deckard's kind of a, I don't know. Yeah, like a like a bad person, like conflicted maybe, person. Yeah, or maybe he's like, a, no, that he's a replicant. Movie. Yeah, uh, I don't that, know. Yeah. 
And I guess he's he was drunk at that point too, so the alcohol probably influenced his aggression. Yeah, again, yeah, again, it's a mystery, eh? Oh, on to our mystery question. Ooh, good segue. <laughs> <laughs> right up there. That was so Singaporean of you. Like, oh. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, you went to Singapore for like what three weeks? Yeah, 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 yeah. Come back, come back <laughs> fresh <laughs> with. Uh, <laughs> okay, yeah. So um, my mystery question is. I mean, it, it really shouldn't be that much a mystery. My question is, do you guys think Rick Deppard is a replicant? I mean, that is the, the big question surrounding this film. I mean, do you guys have personal answers or theories? I feel like it would have been like the most obvious twist. If it happened, it would have been the most obvious twist. But because it was left alone, I I have, I need more, like I'm asking more questions. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, I while I was watching the movie, I'm like, oh yeah, that's the twist of the movie. Like, he's going to turn out to be another, uh, what are it called? Replicants. Mm. So I was just like, yeah. So I was just like, okay. And then it never <laughs> happened. So then I'm like, is he a replicant? Mm. And they don't know. So yeah, I'm going to be uh, on the fence. I'm still on the fence. I have no idea. Mm. Like, despite, for me, despite um, watching the interview where Ridley Scott, like, goes on this whole spiel about, like, whether or not Deckard is an android replicant or not, and then goes, he is a replicant. Um, <laughs> like, in the, like, in that interview, he, like, straight up reveals it. Does he have, you know, does he have the authority and the right to say that? Or is it that just his point of view? For me, it's... I love the ambiguity of it. Um, and uh, there's also a, there's, there's almost a sadness because if he is a replicant, then he's enslaved um, by the people he works with because they're employing replicants to hunt down replicants. Mm -hmm. um, and he's been employed and pro he's probably been, and probably for that reason alone is because they can, you know, sense other replicants or they can probably more easily spot out other replicants. Whereas a human maybe has a harder time. Um, but it's always part of the, that societal mind game of like, let's keep replicants where they are. Let's keep them enslaved. Let's, let's, let's make them think, you know, they have a bit of freedom, but really yeah. there's no Liberty there. He is a replicant. There's a deep sadness to them. There's a deep, like, yeah, like um, a caged uh, fear, um, which is why it's so cool to debate it because it's like, you know, if he isn't, um, yeah, if he isn't, it presents this side. And if he is, there's there's these whole circumstances and, and, and consequences. Um, I think he is a replicant because it just presents more to his character. There's more of a struggle. There's more of a will to be free. That ending maybe has more because then his memories and his dreams as well, like the unicorn dreams are these fabrications to make him think like that, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So replicant for me, sir. Yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate all of that. And I kind of was a bit cheeky here because I asked this question myself. I brought this to the table, but I actually don't like questions like this typically when it comes to <laughs> films or works of art. Like I... I don't, I personally think if it's ambiguous, it's ambiguous for a reason. And so you can't say one way or the other. And the ambiguity is the point. Like everything's there in the text. And if no in the exactly. text, it declaratively states yes or no, then there is no yes or no. And mm -hmm. the whole, the, the whole point is the question is the, the lack of knowing. 
And that's, it just makes it more interesting. So when yeah. someone associated with it says, no, this is the answer, that's when I, I tend to stop listening. Or like, I'm like, well, it's everyone's interpretation. Hmm. You remain ambivalent about it all. Um, the point is the ambiguity. That's yeah, when the yeah. film is trying to make a, uh, give out, a, that's when it's trying to craft a theme or give you yeah, a, yeah. a, that's, that's the, the whole reason behind it. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I was trying to say. Cause if they wanted to say it, that, that would have been like the twist. Yeah. Like, if they wanted, if yeah. Rick Declan is a replicant, we would have had to have seen a scene where he was being made yeah. into a replicant or someone said, you know, you are a replicant. Otherwise it's, yeah. it's all, uh, non-existent basically. Um, but anyway, all right, cool. Um, let's see ratings then. Yeah. Wants to go first. Well, I'll go first. I'll, I'll um. So I'm gonna give this nine out of ten hundred foot tall Coca Cola banners. So despite me thinking this is a masterpiece, I I didn't go the full hog and give it ten out of ten just because. And I didn't. We didn't talk about this, but I do think the pacing does it loses a little bit for shorts towards i'd say around the 90 to 100 minute mark Mm. but apart from that i think this film's wonderful i just think it's a film that's even more enjoyable upon reflection so Mm. for me that's what i love most about it but so i'm going to give it nine out of ten what what do you guys think are we allowed to use decimals i forget am i allowed to can use yeah you can do whatever yeah yeah. i can do whatever i want you can use fractions if you want baby (laughs) sweet um i will give it 9.5 uh replicant eyeballs out of 10 um for me it is still quintessentially um the quintessential sci-fi cyberpunk masterpiece that's influenced the world over um i mean it's been it's it's been released in cinemas almost every year since and now it's becoming an educational film like you said all you watched it when you were in philosophical class like that to me means that there is a significance and an importance to this film that teaches cinematic viewers or general viewers alike um the bigger questions yeah um i'm gonna go for Eight out of ten, uh, helmet hair drying thingies. <laughs> yes. I thought that was really good because like love, I would I use that. the shit out of that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, Toads my goats. But yeah, I'm gonna go eight out of ten just because, um, like it was a really good movie. I really enjoyed it, but for me, the sci-fi part doesn't really like. I, I, for me, I have a lot more. What am I trying to say? Um, I have. I I think there are better sci-fi movies, in my opinion. Sure. Yeah. Okay. And like the sci-fi bit of this movie, if it was just a little bit better, um, then it would probably be a ten out of ten. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Well, that's a what a beautiful philosophical um, episode that was. um, Very tranquil, very um, nice and peaceful. and it was just good to go into those deep themes. Yeah, it was quite enjoyable. Namaste. On that note, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And leave a comment where you can. And, oh yeah, and it's on Spotify now. You can do reviews on Spotify. I don't know if I mentioned this before, but please review us on Spotify. That would be really great. And, um, yeah, thank you for listening. It was, it was really nice. Thank you, guys. Soft touch, yeah.
It feels like we're trying to do ASMR at the moment. I know. <laughs> and Cause, failing. Because Raph, Raph was so, like, calming, so I just, like... <laughs> <laughs>